And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean McCarthy. All right, it is September 8th. We are back. The Wing In Podcast. I have been out doing all kinds of manly stuff that Josh Thompson will never do. Working with tractors, cutting logs, doing man work. And he's been out there looking, getting a haircut, looking pretty, getting ready to do something that is going to be GQ. But that's why I love the guy. (laughs) What's up, brother? (laughs) This is so great. It's so funny. Like people listen to our show last week and like, oh, yeah, giving John a hard time for doing all the man work. Look, people. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I don't look it, but I'm half Mexican. When I was a kid, every summer I had to work in the fields, picking apricots, picking prunes, doing all this stuff, right? I don't want to hear shit about hard labor, okay? Like, no, no, I, I'm not. No, every summer, all my money went to my grandmother to help feed us. I don't want to hear shit. People tell me, I'm like, no, I'm not dumb enough to actually, if I can, if I know someone else can do the work and I don't have to do it, I'm going to pay someone to do it. I have earned that right now to do that. John is not that man. That's fine. I'm okay with no, that. I haven't earned the right, I guess. Okay. No, no, you have. You, no, no, you have. You have. You just, for some reason, feel the need to do it. And I just baffles me to all means, especially when it comes at your, at your, at your own expense in terms of getting hurt every single time. Like you said today, you were cutting wood. I'm cutting wood. I'm like, wait till the axe whoops your ass. It's, like, it's, it's going to for sure one of these days fuck you up. I was up, back to the I'm chainsaw, like, baby. Yeah, I'm like, what's going on? Jeez, man, you're crazy. It, 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 it's if you fall off the horse or the ladder, you get right back on. You don't give up. You no, don't. When you're you don't young. give in. When you're young, you do that shit. Not when you're seventy years old, my friend. As long as I can put the microphone to cover the gray in my beard, I'm good, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. I mean, this is hard labor right here. This is what I consider hard labor. This is what you consider hard labor. Yes, this is, yeah. If you guys, I I mean, you guys have seen it, but people at home don't see it. It takes me forever to get my damn camera and my audio to work. (laughs) Every damn show. Does the light look good? How come my my camera's not working? What's going on with the microphone? Gosh, man, this becomes hard labor real quick. So, all right, guys. Well, hey, if you guys, um, if you guys, first time you guys are listening to us, and if it's not the first time you guys are listening to us and you guys haven't hit the subscribe button, hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell off to the corner too. That'll notify you when we have our shows drop. We also have a clips channel, which is growing a lot in the last probably two to three weeks. There's a link down below in our main channel. Hit that link. That'll take you to our clips channel. Subscribe to that as well. That is short clips that we do from our main show. But then we also do a specific show for that called Wayne Interjection, which only is up on our Clips channel. It's a fun little show that we do where we talk shit to each other, talk really fast, talk really loud, and uh, people make fun of us for that. But it is fun, though. It's more entertainment than it is anything, but we do do, uh, we do do. We do some sound bites on do. there that are always fun. So uh, check that out. And I think that's pretty much it. Let's get into the this week. There's not a lot to talk about, John. There's really a, first off, no UFC. There is the Dana White Contender Series that is going on and stuff, but you know we we don't we normally don't get into the Dana White Contender Series and stuff. But you know there there are some great fights that are coming up, and we can talk about those. There is, unfortunately, in my opinion, even though I have people that yell at me about this, there is the Triller event, the Triller event that has now. Evander Holyfield, who is a great person. I've done a lot of stuff with him against Vitor Belford, another great person. 
but I'm not sure that I want to see Evander at 58 years of age since I'm 58 years of age fighting. Not the best thing to be happening. And it's not that not that he can't. Look, I can tell you, and I've been around Evander a lot, he can still hit like a bitch because we've done stuff. And he's got power in his hands, but he wasn't even training for this. He was sitting, you know, he hasn't been really, he trains, but he doesn't, he's not training for a fight. And uh, to sit here and now all of a sudden throw him in, I know Vitor has been training. It's not, I, I just don't want to see a guy who has done so many great things in the sport of boxing, you know, get hurt just because, you know, at, at the age you're slower. And that's, that's the real problem I see is speed. You know, he's obviously still, you know, he knows how to box. He knows how to throw his hands. He's does the power is not going to go away, but he's slower. And yeah. he just doesn't, he doesn't run at the same, you know, RPM and he, he doesn't think in the same, you know, speed and he doesn't, you know, the, the thought patterns aren't going to be the same. I just hope he doesn't get hurt. John, even if he can win this fight, which he probably could, even yeah. if he could win this fight, I'm more upset at the fact that Vitor is okay with taking this fight. That to me, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like Money. show a little bit of something, like a little bit of like, I mean, someone posted something today saying, hey, you know what? But Vitor's, you know, he's cheated before in the past when it came to MMA in terms of, you know, using PEDs. What makes you think, what, why, why wouldn't he take this fight just for money or to, for reckon? This is, a, this is horrible. And I also look at the promoters. I also am thinking in, in terms of the Florida Commission. Why? Why are you sanctioning this fight? Thank you. Absolutely not. And when you know that California, not that, look, I know. Not like California is like the gold standard. I, I don't want to put. I love California. The commission. I love Andy Foster. I love, I, even though we've had issues with them before in the past. But personally, <laughs> but but Andy Foster is Andy Foster's a great um, commissioner. I love him. He's, Josh, he's always Josh, been super respectful. Josh, let it go. I know. I let, know. Let it go. <laughs> but this is this is this is really dangerous. This is dangerous. The Florida Commission should be ashamed of themselves for put allowing this fight to happen. And then I go to the promotion. Why are you guys even seeking him out saying, hey, would you like this fight? Absolutely not. And then lastly, Vitor Belford, what the hell are you doing? Like, why? If something happens to him, God forbid something happens to him, like, it's, it's on your hands, man. Like, you yeah. knew you didn't need to take this fight. You're fighting a 58-year-old. Are you fucking yep. kidding me? It doesn't yep. make any sense, man. It you gotta, doesn't. You got to figure, over 10 years ago, New York refused to to give Evander a license to box over 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. And there's reasons why medically there's, there's reasons why. And to sit there and to say, you know, this is a good thing. The the funny part is I hear the, I hear Evander is the betting favorite already. <laughs> I'm like, and I, and I love Evander. Uh, like I said, I've done a lot of things with him. He is a good person, but he doesn't run at the same speed that he once did. And uh, I just, I don't want to see him get hurt, but. Yeah, like I said, even if he could win the fight, I still would be against this. Even if I knew it was a hundred percent he's going to win the fight, I would still be against this fight. I think it's ridiculous um, that Triller's doing this. I think the commission should be ashamed of themselves. I've already said this, I know, but it's just I feel like I have to drive it home. I think this is a dis not just a disgrace to boxing. It's upsetting that they're they're allowing this to happen, knowing that he could potentially get hurt, and that's what's upsetting. He's done enough. He's a fucking walking, living legend when it comes to boxing. All yep. the shit he's done. Stop. Not just him. Don't allow him to do this. This is one of those things. It needs to. It needs to be stopped. And just well, it's and sad of, that it's going to go through. And one of the things is, look, he is mentally tough. 
he is a tough son of a bitch. You know, he won't stop. Yeah, I know. And that that just makes it worse. Yep. Because he will never give up. You know, that's just not it's not part of who he is. You know, and I'm just telling you, knowing knowing Vander like I know him, you say, Well, my mama said I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <so>. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he he's cut from a different cloth. That generation yeah, of boxers, is. they're cut from different yep. cloths. I mean, you look at guys like Tyson and guys like um George Foreman and other guys that have come along from that kind of around that area uh, era, they're just cut from a different cloth. You know, they it was boxing or nothing, you know, and it's sad. It's sad to see that the that they're allowing this to happen. All of three of them, the state, the promotion, and Vitor. It's upsetting. So it's kind uh, of funny. Dave, I kinda of, I kinda of look at it as kind of funny that you put Vitor. I, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's the state, you're responsible. You're supposed to be there to protect people and to make sure that things like this don't happen because they don't have to happen. But you're the ones that are allowing it. And then as the promoter, shame on you. Yeah. This is when people look at promoters and go, you know what? Look how nasty you can be. Scumbags. You know, scumbag. That's it. That's the word that comes up. Scumbags. You're just, you know, all about the almighty dollar. You're not caring about the person at all. You're not giving a shit about either of the guys, but you're definitely not caring about Evander. And then you look and you go, you're putting on Vitor. I never even really thought of putting it on Vitor. You know, that's, that's a totally different way of looking at it. Look, he's he look with Vitor. He's still got a little bit of explosiveness, explosiveness in him. Yeah, he does. Are they? That's the other thing. Are they testing? Are they not? Are they just doing the regular state testing? Those are the other things. And it, I don't. Okay, I don't like but, it. And let's think about this because I, I want to say I know for a fact, but it's pretty well known that Vitor has been on a TRT program, you know, since he left the UFC. Now, when when did he stop it? I don't know, but he was on one. He admitted to being on one, so it's not me saying it; it was him saying it. He admitted to being on one. So when when he stops, what you stopping for a week? You're stopping for two weeks? You know, it's, it's none of it. None of it is good. So so you're taking, and that's the thing. He's always been known for his speed, his explosiveness. He had some. He has some power. He's he was always known in the gym as of having good boxing and oh, yeah. being that real dynamic person in the gym. And now you're taking him. I don't know how old is he. What is he? Forty three, forty. So he's somewhere around there, right? Vitor, yeah, somewhere around forty four, forty five, somewhere around there. And now you're taking him. Now you're matching him up against somebody. Sure, he's a veteran in boxing, but he's ten years older, maybe a little bit more than that. It just doesn't. I put it on him as well because he could have turned the fight down and said, "Hey." I want somebody else. Give me somebody else who's a little bit around, you know, close around my, my man, my age or yeah, just, they could have found somebody else. Yeah. And that's, you know, I know they're, I know they were put in a crunch position because what, two weeks later it's, it's only been what they have a week or two weeks, whatever yeah. to get, to get a replacement. But that's not, that's not a good enough excuse to me. Not to you put someone's always, life. In, I, you know? I, know, I know that I'm not here to tell anyone they should lose money, but you can always, cancel it you know take take it in the shorts a little bit and then reschedule it for another time yeah i don't know yep i guess the other Uh, question on it is like is does it is it worth doing it and as far as like is it going to sell better than like a to versus silver right because like i mean that could that could go as your main event i don't think that's i don't think either one's going to outsell the other by a whole lot that's true i never thought i agree with you i agree with you that it's not i think the the anderson silva tito fight yeah, and I look at that one, it's like, 
whether you care or not, at least both 46 years of age, Mm -hmm. both close, you know, in size as far as Tito's the bigger guy, but they're close in size. And Anderson has fought at 205, and Tito was always at 205. So, you know, and he's Anderson's actually making Tito lose weight. We talked about that, probably too much weight. But, okay, everything about them, everything about them, at least matches up. Now, I'm not going to say that Tito was the striker that Anderson was ever, but they're both champions in the UFC. They were both, you know, guys that, you know, competed at a high level. All of it, you look at, you go, all right, I think Tito's going to end up getting his ears boxed off, but okay, it, it's it's understandable. And, and the one thing I will say is, you know, Tito has not taken any type of real beating or abuse for a number of years, probably 10 years, you know, he's fought a lot and never, he hasn't taken any real abuse in those fights. You know, he lost to Liam McGeary. He lost by a, you know, backside triangle. triangle so, yeah. yeah. So it's like no big deal. You got choked. Okay. But l- take a look. When was the last time he took a beating? It was a long time ago. Yeah. So, you know, th- that one's okay. I'm okay with that one. No, I would have liked to have one, seen that fight get bumped up to the main event is what, what Dave was saying. He's saying if yeah, they would have bumped and, up to the main get, event. Get rid of the, the Belfort fight. Yeah, they wouldn't have lost probably that many pay-per-views because I'm sorry. I'm not really looking to tune in for that main that main event now. It just doesn't, doesn't no. interest me at all. I, I, I would want, tune I, in for Anderson and Tito. I do not want to watch it. Yeah. You know, I'll probably end yeah. up having to. I'll, and I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to fucking pay for a, a <laughs> thing for it. I'm not. <laughs> But you know, somewhere along the way, I'll see a fucking repeat of of the rounds or yeah. something. But true, yeah, I don't want. It. I don't know. Dave, what else you got for us? All right, our next piece of news um, comes by the way of George Masvidal, who is basically saying he wants Nick Diaz if Diaz gets past Robbie Lawler, and then also he wants both of the Paul brothers as well. <laughs> I mean. He's smart. Like he's doing what he needs to do. He's thirty six, I think. He's right at the end. Yeah, but he's here's the thing. Anything you've ever ever uh, anything I've ever heard about him in the gym, he is one of the, one of the slickest be- one of the best training guys. partners there is. One of the slickest guys on the feet. Slips and moves his head. All these things like he's touching, piecing people up when it comes to the boxing and the kickboxing. Phenomenal. I think I think I would love to see him fight either one of the Paul brothers. Him and Nick would be a fun fight because I, I just like watching any of the Diaz brothers fight, either one of them. But that would be a great fight. The fact that he beat uh, Nate. Yeah, then, that's the whole part of that one. Yeah, yeah tease it up fact perfectly. The fact that he had, you know, the BMF belt with Nate, we'll put the BMF belt back out there with Nick. That yep. works. That's a that's a fight that, you know, yeah, everyone would like to see that. I would do that. I would do that one in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a fun fight. That's a fight with two guys that have swagger. They got, you know. They have an aura about them, you know, all cool. Do it. Yeah. Hit him against the Paul brothers. Don't care. Yeah. I would like to see it. That's me. Maybe I'm nerding out a little bit. I mean, I got, I, I'm just being honest. Like I'm a Masvidal fan. I go back, you know, all the way back to strike force with them. And I've seen him fight a lot of times and talk with him a lot in the back. And he's, he's a really cool guy, man. Just nice guy to be around super chill and relaxed but all that stuff being said i'd love to see him he's an og and i would love to see him piece up one of the paul brothers i don't care or both i don't give a shit but i mean let's be real when it comes down to it it ain't gonna happen unless unless dana does a co-promotion and i don't think that he would do that with george as of now 
I mean, as of now, I mean, I say if they gained a little bit more steam, the Paul brothers, if they got another win over, I don't know who else, but somebody else, uh, he may end up doing it, knowing that George is kind of on his way out. He may end up doing that. You know, hey, let's he didn't, say he didn't, hurrah, but look at the Paul brothers. Paul brothers didn't gain, well, excuse me, Jake Paul didn't gain any steam with that, the Woodley fight. You don't think so? No. I, I, I think, I, I feel like. You'll find a lot like of people. I feel like he got validated a lot. No, I think I think you find a lot of people that actually feel like he was running, running the whole fight. A lot of people feel like he didn't really win because Tyron was was the guy marching him down and going forward. So a lot of people look at it and go, "Oh, you got knocked down actually with the the ropes, ropes. holding you up." There's a whole lot of things that happen in that. In fact, one of the commissioners who is you know Ray Boom Boom Mancini is a commissioner for Ohio now. And he said, he goes, it was a joke. He goes, the other guy won. He goes, this guy can't box. <laughs> he just mm. put, it, put, put him on blast. So, wow, we'll see. You know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, the, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, a win's a win. And they're yeah. going to count that as, hey, we're going to keep pushing this guy. Oh, so yeah. they're going to keep pushing him. And they're going to try to oh, get well, him somebody else. He's going to fight the Fury kid next. I think if you look at the numbers, you know, and everything that they look analytically as far as, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and all those things, those guys blew that thing up. So that means there was interest. That means people care. And that means that you'll see him again. Somebody I thought he was real smart that. about he retired. He, re- he goes, I'm you know, boxer retired. And then another, another, unretired. another page, another page <laughs> out of uh, Connor's. Book. Hey, he's, I give him credit. He, you know, he looks at something, goes, that works. I'll use it. He's smart at marketing. Mm. Yeah. All right. All he's right. not like us. He's not I smart. I won't say much. As far as I won't marketing. say much. <laughs> We're not smart as far as marketing. <laughs> Dave, what else you got? All right, next story um, is on Darren Till. And our fans actually, feedback we got on the last show was that we didn't cover this enough. We didn't go into enough detail on just kind of Darren Till, um, you know, not so much giving up, but that, that kind of was the you idea. Didn't give that was up. Thrown out. No. Um, and Josh, I know you had thrown it on Twitter with that, that kind of like question behind it. Um, but Michael Bisping came out and said that he tore his ACL, Darren Till tore his ACL 10 weeks before the fight. I mean, it's kind of like using it as an excuse. No, I mean, if, if he really did tear it, then that's not an excuse. That's reality. So I'm going to tip my hat for him just even being able to get in there. I was wondering, he looked a little flabby. I know he's never ripped, but he looked a little softer than normal for this fight. Um, Maybe, maybe there's, maybe there's a lot of truth behind it. And overall his, your fight, when you look, everyone's like, Oh, how come you guys don't talk about it more? Look, the bottom line was, is that he just couldn't get off on combinations because he's fighting a good wrestler. And Derek Brunson is a good wrestler at the timing. Sure. He had landed some clean shots, but anytime someone can just walk you down, people, people need to remember how hard it is to try to defend someone who's relentless when it comes to wrestling. Look at all the shit that Khabib did to people for years because one takedown's not enough. It's two and three, and that's what Derek Brunson was doing. He shot, didn't get didn't get all the way in, then drove him to the fence, locked his hands, and got the takedown. It's hard, it's, especially in a smaller cage. That's the other thing that we never that's brought up, I think, thing. before. That's right. We didn't bring like, it up, and we should have. Yeah, we should have brought it up last time, but that's the only thing I think realistically that we should have talked about is that the fact that the cage was a lot smaller it favored Derek Brunson in terms of takedown defense, circling off the cage, taking two steps, three steps back, and your back's already to the cage versus the bigger cage. You take four or five steps back, and then all of a sudden you're there. 
you can st- you can take two or three steps back and circle out or three and four steps and circle out still. That makes a huge difference. And so I think overall, look, I don't know where Darren Till goes from here. I think he's one in four in his last five or something like that is what his record is. I also feel, I don't know if this has something to do with it. What are the training situations like for him over there? I mean, the UK is not really fully wide open. Are they still able to train? Are they, are the gyms active? Are the people that you, he used to train with, are they as active as he is now because he is still active in the UFC? Maybe some of his old teammates are not there anymore because they're not getting fights. Like that's the other thing. When you have a team, I mean, I trained at one of the biggest teams in the world at AKA. It, it never failed around Halloween. It was a ghost town. No one was there until after New Year's. It was a ghost town. The only people that were there were the ones that were booked for fights, big fights. The rest of them, no one ever, no one was ever there. Even the smaller guys, the ones that all they needed to do was keep getting better to get into the big show, they still weren't there. It's like it didn't matter. So during this time, who knows? I mean, during COVID time, maybe people over there are just not taking the chance and going in to train, or maybe there's just no events for the people that he was training with for them to go in and train. And so that's what's hard. I don't know. He hasn't looked the same. I get it. But I can't give you an excuse on, on what happened. If he tore his knee, tore his knee, that's going to stop. That's going to help. That's going to keep him from being as explosive as he, as he normally is. Um, I don't know. But, but Derek, can't take anything away from Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson fought a good fight. And people give and, us a hard time saying that he was, saying Derek he was Brunson tired. Was, Derek Brunson was supposedly injured, too. Had, had a real uh, problem with his ribs. Had a rib injury, so he really couldn't train. So, I mean, and people, people kept saying, we kept saying he was tired. What he did was he looks like he has slowed down. I meant by his age, not by the fact that he looked tired. I meant that he looked, he looked like he's starting to show his age when it comes to speed, which is common around that age of 37, 38 is when, is when even me as a lightweight, I started feeling like these kids are all getting a little bit faster than me. Things are, it's not, it's not as fun anymore. Like you don't, you see the punches coming, but your head is, it doesn't move offline as fast. And so those are things that I think he's going through right now. And like, he was right. He said, this is my last run. If I don't win this fight, I mean, pretty much I'm not going to get a title shot. So he, he said a lot of the right things. He got the win and I'm not going to take anything away from him. And Darren Till, if he did tear his ACL, it would, it would explain a little bit, but it doesn't still change the fact that Derek Brunson fought a good fight. And it, it is the thing is you got to figure Till was undefeated when he, when he took on Woodley. And he had, you know, come up through a couple of years. He beat Donald Cerrone, and then he beat Wonder Boy um, in a decision. And then, you know, I think he was, what, 17? 16? 17-0. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. When, when he took on uh, Tyrone Woodley, and, you know, he lost. And from there, you know, he lost to Masvidal. That was a big knockout. He did yeah. win against Kelvin Gastelum, but then lost against uh, Whitaker. This is what happens when you get in. If you take a look at the elite guys that he has fought, take a look at all those fights before and take a look at the names. And it's not that there's not some good fighters in there, but they're not elite fighters. And so he was, you know, at 170 pounds, he was huge anyways. And then he was fighting these guys that they're good fighters, but they weren't elite fighters. And then he gets into the Donald Cerrone win and the Thompson win, now he's fighting and he's beating elite fighters. Well, the, the elite fighters have stayed, and but the losses have come, and that can happen. You know, it's, it's nothing against him. He's still a dynamite fighter when it comes to the stand-up game. There is absolutely no doubt 
a weakness in Darren Till's overall game. Darren Till knows it. His coaches know it. His opponents know it. Everyone knows it. Take him off of his feet, and he's very beatable. Look at what Derek Brunson did. That's how he yeah. beat him. Yep. You know, it, it's not like this is a hard puzzle to solve. Darren Till on the feet, you got your hands full. Darren Till now on the mat, a much more winnable affair for anybody that's up against him. So he's just got to take care of those little things that the takedowns become harder for somebody. You know, the Derek Brunsons can't get those takedowns, can't get their hands together, can't do those things that Derek was able to do and make happen. You know, you start stopping two of those takedowns, the fight becomes a different fight. Yeah. You know, and so that's what, you know, Darren Till's just got to go back to the, you know, the gym and start working on those things that he knows are the things that are creating the problems in him getting the win. Because he's still a dynamite fighter. The the hardest thing to do was for these stand-up guys that don't really have a lot of wrestling is for them to go against someone who's been wrestling their whole life. You got Derek Brunson who has been wrestling at a, at a high level for majority of his life, and then he's learned how to transition that into into MMA wrestling. And so to think that he was going to go out there, sure he may have stuffed one or two takedowns, but as it goes on, you're going to Derek Brunson's going to start chain wrestling a little bit better, or he's going to start getting in a little bit deeper and it ends up backfiring. It's hard to get those guys to learn how to stop a takedown or just stop chain wrestling. If you haven't been doing it your whole life, like Derek Brunson, that Khabib's had so much success because of that. A lot of John Fitch relentless. Look at how bad he made Roy McDonald look. And John, you know, John was over 40 years old at the time and just chasing after single legs on his yeah, hands. Even when he knees. was hurt, even when yeah. he was hurt and still digging for it and gets it and changes the round. Yeah. Based upon that takedown, you know, and that's what that's what good wrestling will do for you. And I've said I've said this a couple times. I don't know if people remember this. Go back and watch the second uh, Junior DeSantos fight with with Kane. I want you guys to go and watch watch that first round. Yes. Watch watch that first round. That first round, Kane is chasing him around on his hands and knees, trying to get at his ankles and his knees because he, he was like, why would I stand? Why when I can shoot low level singles or I can shoot shoot ankle picks? And just chase you down. And then eventually I'm going to get up to your body and I'm going to get the takedown. And that's what happened. And then Junior got tired of defending the takedowns and eventually started losing them. And then eventually got pressed to the fence and used his head in his face and did just grimied him up. And then just, just out-gritted him is really what it came down to it. It was a lot of like a Randy Couture style. Just let me put my forehead in your chin and your face and, and just punch you and knee you and elbow you and all these little things. Little tricks of the trades. And that's what has made John Fitch successful. Khabib successful. You. And that's what Derek Let Brunson does very well. Because when he got on top, it was a different fucking fight. When Derek Brunson got on top of Darren Till, Darren Till had no answer. You could tell the hit pressure and the and the wrestling was just leaps and bounds above Darren Till's grappling. So uh, what else? Uh, what else you got there, Dave? All right. <clears throat> Next piece of news um, is... Travis Brown talking about fight or pay. Um, and he is, you know, this has been a big topic recently. And he's on the side of the promoter saying, basically to summarize what he said, is that people sign the contract so they know what they're getting paid. And then he stopped crying about it. And because, you know, as a man or a woman, you made that decision to sign that contract. And so you know what your pay is. And the UFC will offer you the option to go and uh, find a better deal if you can. Otherwise... 
John, I, look. Go ahead. I don't, Go ahead. Come on. Here's the thing. He's fucking right. He's like right. He is. You guys, and that's the thing, like, look, people have fallen in love, maybe, you, and this is where we're going to go back, people are going to think I'm bashing the UFC, no, people have fallen in love with the fact that they want to fight in the UFC, so they sign contracts that pay them the shitty, like, shitty amount, and so they're okay with that because, oh, I'm in the UFC, you hear no. it all the time, oh, I fight UFC, people talk about, I fight UFC, or I'm in the UFC, that's what they want, they want the bragging rights to say that, which is fine, look, it's your career, you do what you want, but when you sign that contract and you start having success, don't expect to go back to them and say, hey, I want more money until your contract is up. Keep winning. That's their, that, that, they did their job. They honored their contract. They put the contract in front of you. You went out there and did it and you got some wins. But when it comes down to it, don't come complaining to me that you want more money until you're ready to say, you know, I'm going to fight on my contract, try out free agency and do that. Then just shut up. That, I, that's, I, I'm not, that's, and look, Travis Brown is, maybe that's the way he's saying it. But Dave said that he's on the side of the promoter. That's not the side of the promoter. That's just the way the business, like that's, that's not the promoter side. That means that it's both people agreed. Okay. That this is what we will pay you. And the fighter agreed. So the fighters knew what he was getting, he or she was getting themselves into. Travis doesn't sound like he's on the side of the promoter. He's just saying, stop whining about something that you put your name on. And Sorry, I have to agree with opinion. him. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know it was your opinion. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, here's here's the fact of it and this is what I, I tell people all the time first off travis is sitting in a different position because he's got a wife that made a lot of money okay so good job travis okay very nice geez, no, i can't believe you went there is, i can't believe you went there come low on blow. man not low a low blow, blow. you're that gonna was say ruthless. You, can, you don't have to worry about what he made look at what she made you burned him right there, buddy. No, no, no. I, I love Travis. And, and, hey, he's a smart guy, and he's, he's doing what he wants. And best of luck to both of them and what they're doing. Congratulations. On, they uh, just had a baby. Have a baby. Yeah, they did, or they, they're going to? I think going to. I don't think she had it yet. Okay. Did she have she it? she did, but maybe not. I don't know. I, I thought she, she did. Um, I thought she had it, like, probably, like, a week or two ago, I believe. Really? I didn't know. Yeah. So, congratulations. Maybe. That's awesome. They've got their mm, browsy stuff. acres going and stuff. I, everything they're doing is fantastic. No, maybe no, not. No, so. yeah, no, maybe not. All right, you're right. So. All right. Okay. But anyways, here's the, here's the point. And it's, this is where you have to look at, and I've said it too many times. The promoter is always, always going to try to get the fighter for the least amount possible. That's his job. That's how he makes money. The, the fighter is always going to want more. That's their job, you know, to try to get more. It's going to be, you've got to meet somewhere in the middle. Sometimes you're not going to be happy either way. It's the guys that, you know, when you're looking at something like the ultimate fighter, you know, the, they just had the finals, right? And you have the two guys that won it. Ricky being one of Ricky's getting, you know, this, and forever the UFC has broadcast this, you know, six-figure contract, you know, you're the ultimate fighter, and it sounds so good. Well, we all know that that contract is not a good contract for the fighter as far as making a lot of money. It's, you know, it sounds like they're going to make a lot of money, but they're not going to make a lot of money, but they are getting something out of it. And that's where you've got to look and say, Hey, what I've decided is I'm going to sign this contract. I'm going to go on this show. And I know that if I win it, that contract is not going to be the contract that I want to fight under because I'm not going to be making actually that much money 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show everyone how good I am in this time period, and I'm going to fight these fights for the amount that the UFC is going to pay me, that I've put my you know John Hancock on the line for, and once I get past them, now I'm going to start asking for more money, or I'll go somewhere else that'll pay me more money because I've gotten w- these wins. And like you always say, winning solves everything. You yeah. know, and, and this is the way you've got to look at it. The UFC, with that Ultimate Fighter contract or any fighter contract they give, they're giving you a lot of exposure. That exposure can work for you if you make it work for you, or it's going to work against you if you don't if you go out there and and you you know you don't perform but if you go out and perform the marketing is going to increase and you're going to get more exposure and things are going to happen all of that is value all of that has value to you all of that costs money and then finally you get through that six fight contract and you are at the end of it they're going to want to sign you for more because they're going to want to keep you cuz you have proven Yes, you're not only the ultimate fighter, you're a damn good fighter that we can now put into our upper levels and you know the top five or wherever you're at at that time. That's what you're working for. You've got to look at this as the process. And if you don't like what they're offering you after that, then go somewhere else. Be smart because someone will pay you because they will see the value in you. Yeah, but that all comes from winning. Yeah. You know, and every every fighter needs to go out there and just win, do the best they can, and you know, and say and do all the right things. You know, there was um, there's 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 been fighters in the past that you it doesn't matter how talented you are if you're if you're always negative on social media or if you're always doing things in in interviews and just causing a ruckus and a pain, and a pain in the ass, it doesn't matter. Promotions won't want to deal with you. They don't matter. It doesn't matter how great you are. Sure, they deal with some like John Jones with all the trouble he was in, but he was already their champion. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he was already established. They'd already put millions into marketing him and and making him who he was. So there was yeah. they rode that ship until the end. But look at where they're at right now. They're like, oh, you're 34, 35 years old. You only got a couple more years left. Now you want to go to heavyweight. You want us to pay you more? Like, yeah, we're gonna pump our brakes a little bit because you're not gonna be around much longer. They're not willing to bend over as much anymore. But when he was 27. You, they didn't care what he did. There's an old saying. If if there's an old saying, if you were a car salesman, right, you could take the owner's hat in the middle of the road and shit in it if you were the number one salesperson. And that's basically what John Jones was was the number one salesperson. So if you were any of these people, you know, like Sugar, like Sugar Sean, he's got a little bit of say right now, but he's he's being smart. He's talking and calling out people's names, but he's not. At, he doesn't want the big name. Like he turned down the Frankie Edgar fight. At least that's what Again. I was told. Again, look Smart. at where, look at the contract that he came yeah. in on. He came in on the Dana White Contender Series. Those guys aren't making a lot of money, all right. And and Sean understands. Hey, if I'm gonna fight in this promotion, which I like fighting in, and you know it's done a lot of good for my you know social media and all these other things, and people now know who I am. But why am I gonna fight Frankie Edgar when they'll give me Joe Smith? And I make the same amount of money. Yeah. I'll go with Joe Smith. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Nah, it's, it's, well, you know. look at look what happened to the hype train when Yair Rodriguez ran into Frankie. It was yeah. Yair, Yair, uh, this, this, and this. And he took that fight. I'll fight Frankie Edgar. Backfire. Backfire. <laughs> you know? And you know, I know Frankie's not. The, he's older now than when he fought yeah. Yair. But 
I Sean's not the he's not as good a wrestler as Frankie he's still, to this. He's, he yet. still might have the answer. Yeah, he still might have the answer <laughs> when it comes to the wrestling. Yeah. Uh, all right, what else you got there, Dave? All right, last piece of news, and we'll jump into some fan questions. Is um, BJ Penn posted a, posted this picture where Khabib had named him the second best lightweight um, ever. And so it's just interesting, low note. Uh, BG did comment on it and said that he doesn't think Khabib's the type of person that would put himself as number one. So just just an interesting low note. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't know where, I don't know. I didn't get to hear the interview or whatever Khabib had said about it. But look, I've trained with both of them. They're both phenomenal. Like, both of them are animals. BJ was just as dominant as as Khabib was in the gym when it came down to training, but just different stylistically. The one thing that I will say is this, is if you compare it, look, if you compare records, there's no comparison. Obviously, Khabib's got 29 and 0, you know, that type of stuff. But when you get into the people and who they fought in terms of when, BJ Penn has fought every person that you could possibly think of. GSP twice, you know, Matt Hughes three times, Leota Machina at when Leota was 220. I mean, he's fought Hanzo Gracie, Rodrigo Gracie, Gomi. When Gomi was one of the best in the world, he fought him before anyone ever had heard of him. He paid. Oh for no, him no, to no! Everyone had heard of Gomi at that time. He fought him when Gomi was hot. Yeah, when when Gomi was hot, and he smashed him. I was there yes. at that fight. He beat the crap out of Gomi. Yes. Made him look like he didn't belong in there. Um, you know, and then everyone says, "Well, yeah, but look at he lost all the fights at the end." Yeah, he'd already he done everything, you know. He'd and, already done everything. He, Carl he just Uno, wasn't he, the same. He wasn't the same guy towards the end there, no. you know. And I'm not trying to make any excuses for him, but if I was to match them both up in their primes, it would be one of the. I, I think it'd be one of the best fights. One thing that BJ had was he had a lot of punching power. Khabib, not as much punching power, but he he his stand up works for him and what he does. The other thing that BJ does very well is that. He had really good balance on one foot with his dexterity. People try to take him down. He'd hop around. He could skip out of things. He could, knee, you know, turn his knee out and get away from takedowns. He was phenomenal in takedown defense. Maybe towards the end of his career, which where people remember, they'd be like, oh, he got smashed always on the bottom. He just, like, towards the end there, after his Frankie losses, it just, he wasn't the same guy anymore. But if you look at some of the ways he dominated top guys, I mean... I mean, you, gotta, you guys got to go back to the very first GSP fight where GSP tried to quit on the stool after the first round, you know, and so and BJ and then they made him go back out there and he was able to get the win over BJ. But BJ was piecing him up with the jab and a right hand. BJ had punching power. He made people he started forcing people to to break. And it didn't it didn't matter who you were his. And like I said, his grappling when he got on top was nasty. Khabib, when he gets on top is nasty. It just it's hard for me to compare the two because I train with both of them. I like both of them. They're both phenomenal fighters, but I would agree they're number one and number two. I don't think anybody else should be above BJ or or Khabib. Those are the two guys. Now, how you place them is up to you guys. But if you look at who they have fought in terms of when they won the title or when they who they beat or who they've compared who they've matched up against, BJ's got the better record of in terms of who he's beaten throughout his career. That's it. That's all I can say. That doesn't mean that Khabib couldn't have kept going because, you know, BJ did it for longer, but that doesn't mean that Khabib couldn't have kept going and been 35 or 40, and know, he probably could have been, but it just wasn't in the, it wasn't in the cards. So it's hard for me to choose who would be better, but I do agree that they're one and two or two and whoever is first, you know, I don't care how you place them. 
you know, but everyone's going to look at BJ and be like, oh yeah, his record's almost 500. Yeah, but look at the fucking people he fought. That's the thing. I look at it, BJ at a certain time was probably the most impressive MMA fighter there was. And at one time, I even said, look, if you're going to pick one guy's set of skills, it's BJ Penn. That's the guy that you want to, you know, match. You know, he, he was never a wrestler, but he had incredible wrestling defense. He was so hard to take down. He was so, as you said, dexterity, just, I mean, the way he could balance and the things that he could, he could do. I always go back to the, you know, I watched him when he fought Henzo Gracie and it was in the rumble on the rock and he, you know, he was starting to beat Henzo and Henzo was in guard having, you know, he was on his back, you know, trying to play guard and BJ did a pass that nobody, nobody could have done that pass at that time. He, the dexterity they had with his legs, the ability to bring his legs into certain positions and do things. Nobody else could move their legs in that way. And, uh, he was just unique. He was special. When you, when I get into the record thing, you, you could look and you could say, look, he did fight a lot of guys that were champions. You know, you know, he, he fought against, you know, you know, Matt Sarah was, you know, a, a champion at one time who beat, you know, St. Pierre, he fought St. Pierre twice. He fought, you know, guys like, you know, he beat, he lost to Jens Pulver, then beat Jens Pulver. But, you know, he just, he just was a unique individual at a unique time. It's just that it, you know, when it went and things weren't working for him, they went bad fast. Yeah. But, you know, I look at it, you know, I'm going to tell you, say, you know, who was the most dominant guy I ever saw still? It's Khabib. Yeah, Hard. I agree with you. And I, you know, I, I was, I was in the cage with both of them a lot and, you know, I did a lot of BJ's fights and I love him. Most dominant guy I've ever seen was that guy from Dagestan. No, I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not taking away from that at all. I'm just saying when you compare, it's not fair to compare the two in their careers because one fought all the way up to 200, up to heavyweight when he fought Lyoto at 220. You know, and if you go back and watch that fight, I believe he dropped Lyoto with a punch, and yeah. then Lyoto, and then Lyoto smashed him a little bit after that. But it was there was some moments in that fight where they were throwing down, and Leo and oh, yeah. Lyoto was 220, and BJ was 190. You know what I mean? And so, and with Matt Hughes, Matt Hughes at the time was. People thought he was unbeatable at the time that BJ beat him, you know. And if you go back and watch that Matt fight, Matt was a monster. He was a monster. One of the <laughs> it, probably the strongest guy I think I've ever oh. had grab a hold of me. I was like, holy cow! He had like leather hands. <laughs> yeah, and just it just. But if you go back and watch that first fight, because I was on that card when I fought. I was on that card. He, I fought Matt. I uh, sorry, I fought uh, Hermes Franca on that card. He he Matt went to go to like shoot a takedown, and BJ kind of just flung him off. And when before Matt could get back to like a scrambling position, BJ jumped to his back and choked him out. And this yep. is this is the time when people thought that Matt Hughes was unstoppable. That, that was BJ going up to one seventy. Yes, and that that see that's the other thing is that you're. I know that Khabib wasn't around for long in terms of being the champion and defending over and over and over like John Jones or or anybody else, but. For BJ to do all the things that he did, he fought at, you know, 70, became champion there. He fought at 55, became champion there. I mean, he beat, you know, he's he's beaten Jess Pulver, guys that were legends, guys that were, you know, legends at the time. He's beaten Dean Thomas, who now the UFC uses as as an analyst for to, to help break down their fights. He was phenomenal he's as awesome. well. Yep. He's an absolutely phenomenal fighter as well. There's He beat Uno in 11 seconds. I mean, these are guys that were at the top of their game. He was beating them. You know, Matt Serra, he beat also. He's beaten a ton of guys. 
you know, the, the GSP was the one guy that I think eluded him, but he had moments in those fights where he was, he was beating him, you know, and he had him rumbling back. I would have liked to have seen Khabib go up and fight like a Tyron Woodley or, you know, um, a Colby Covington, or I would say Usman, but I know they're friends and they, that's not going to happen, but I would have liked to have seen him try to get to the 170 because BJ didn't care. He just said, oh, no. you're the guy. You're the one. You're the one that everyone's talking about. And you're not talking about me. Well, I'm going to prove to everyone that I could beat you. And, the, you know, there's stories of him training with, you know, with Randy Couture and, and having good oh, days. Yeah. And that, you know, yeah. And there's other, you know, Dude, he, made, there's, he, he, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to say Matt Lindland is an Olympic silver medalist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And all I can tell you is Matt Lindland hates BJ Penn. Yes. Because he couldn't get him down. <laughs> Couldn't take him yeah. down. And if he finally got him down, could not keep him down. Within two seconds, he was back up. And he's like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's the other thing. So when he came, he was at AKA to start off his UFC career. Guys like Frank Shamrock, who were known for being slippery, getting off their backs, being able to like slide out of things, never stop moving. His method was never stop moving. You know, keep moving so you can't settle in. That shit didn't work. No. He was all over Frank. Frank never had a way to get away once he got taken down. And then if you guys go back and watch the Gomi fight, you said he was good. And I said the same thing. He was good at takedown defense. But if you look at the Gomi fight, he barreled through Gomi in terms of takedowns. He took him down and just got on top of him and smashed him. He doubles double legging. He was double legging. Um, I believe to start the second round, he double legged him right off of his feet, right to his back. One of the most explosive takedowns I've seen. It was, it was phenomenal, you know? And yeah. so, I look at all the guys that BJ's fought and that I think people look too much at the most recent part of his record. And I just, you got to look back at the history of what he's done. And I think he's, it's one and two. I just don't know where you put, who you put ahead. That's it. Just based on it longevity. First it off, doesn't it matter. doesn't matter. It doesn't. it doesn't. And this is what people, and you're always going to get people that are going to be mad at what you say, mm-hmm. but you know, you can't take, you know, sometimes things from the outside and bring them into the fight game also because, you know, I say Khabib is the most dominant fighter I've ever seen in the cage. If you're going to say who has had the greatest career, it's John Jones. Yeah. You know, but a lot of people are going to look and say, yeah, but he's, you know, ran over this and did this and he's you know, been with the law. And it's like, it's not part of his fight career. Yeah. I agree. With as you. far as just, but Dick, but Dick Bills is fight. <laughs> <laughs> just throwing but that just out that, there. But just as part of an impressive, you know, career and what he's accomplished, you can't. Who do you put over him? You can't. No. You know, even George St. Pierre didn't have as many title defenses, Mm-mm. you know, or title wins or any of those things. It's just, I mean, he's unbelievable. So yeah, there's always that one that you can always put. The, you know, just change the course of the question a little bit, and you come up with a different answer. Yep. The the thing is, is I to go back. Look, I'm not trying to take in. Obviously, I've trained with Khabib. He's, uh, I consider him a friend. It's just one of those things where people forget the history of the sport sometimes and they want to just oh, yeah. stamp the name on whoever's the most recent and Khabib, like you said was the most dominant and i've trained with him for years and i trained with bj for years and they both were very dominant in the gym stylistically though in a matchup it would have been phenomenal fight it would have been I, I i don't even know i don't know how to say it. like it, bj in his prime and and you know Khabib when he was getting when he left the sport just an insane fight insane yep. fight so yep. It's something we can sit here and just dream about. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, what else you got for us, Dave? All right, ready? Hoping to some fine questions. Let's do it, baby. 
All right, everyone, now go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code WAYNEIN, and also scan your barcode to get your extra bonus. If you go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code WAYNEIN, they'll give you a little extra spending cash for all the bets you can pick up coming up on sports, football, basketball, all the events that are coming. Hockey is now starting as well, coming up soon. So all these events are now be available on mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WAYNEIN, and like I said, if you scan that barcode, you will be able to get an extra bonus. The first question comes from Mike Kibtib, who asks, do you think that Dana White made UFC 267 free, non-pay-per-view, so Aljo can't get pay-per-view points as champion? Is he trying to avoid setting a precedent here? I don't think so. I think really what it is is that I think people really believe that Peter Yarn was winning that fight, and they've already seen what's going to happen in part two, so there won't be as many pay-per-view buys for it. I think that's the the reality is like, hey, we've already seen kind of the conclusion of what's going to happen. And outside of barring like another, you know, foul, I think you're going to end up seeing the title change hands. And people are just like, yeah, I've already seen that fight. It was a one sided. And it, there's all there's other things involved with it. Also, let's let's just look and say that fight is going to be coming from Abu Dhabi. You're talking about a different time. So if he if he puts it on pay-per-view. He's got to have it happen at a certain time here in North America where if he doesn't put it on pay-per-view, then he can have it at an earlier time here in North America because it's free. So there's a lot of things that go into that. I do not think that it has anything to do with taking something away from Aljamain. Aljamain is going to be compensated well for that because his management will say, but you're, you're the pay, they'll give him something more. And uh, it'll he'll be compensated fairly for it. So I, I don't I don't think that they're trying to do anything to Aljamain. I think Aljamain's going to have a championship fight against Peter Yan. I think the real reason they're doing it, it's not a pay per view, is based upon when they can put it on. Yeah, I, I think I want to go back a little bit because a lot of people. I I ride Aljo kind of hard over all the stuff that happened. But the the bottom line is Peter Yan fouled him. He did. He, yep. It's fair that he got the title. Now I think that the like you said, the ref could have handled things differently, so it would have stayed with it would have stayed with Peter Yan, and they would have had to fight again anyways. Uh, that would have been up to the judges. That would have been up to the yeah. So it literally came down to I gave him a hard time because at the time it was like that whole act inside the cage, like as if he didn't know what was going on and this and that. That's all. I, that's as a fighter, that's one of those things that we all look at and go, all right, you don't have to play it up. The guy fouled you. We understand. If you don't, if you can't go on, or you shouldn't go on because you feel a little fucked up. I, I back you, but don't try to sell it in the cage. You know, like oh, with the eyes and the you know, and it just it just that's why I give him a hard time. That's it. You know, and th- th- I won't stop doing that. That's fucking me. You know, I mean, th- that's just who I am. I- I'm gonna ride people that do things like that because the generation of guys that I came up with fighting, they didn't do that shit. It was like, hey, you fucking fouled me. Okay, either I keep fighting or I just say, hey, I can't continue because I can't see or, you know, my nuts swollen. <laughs> Whatever it was, for any reason that you couldn't continue, you just said, I can't, I can't continue. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, you live to fight another day. But it's just a different, it was, that's why I do, that's why I said what I said. And look, the bottom line is they're going to fight again here anyways. We're going to find out who's going to be the champion. So what else, Dave? Next, Next question from Chris Triana MMA. Uh, why haven't we seen updated gloves in UFC? I'm confused about any negative issues. It only helps everyone in my view. Question mark. 
<laughs> Why up, haven't updated, we seen anything with updated gloves? But what do you want to update? Just a little bit curved fingers? Yeah. Like, is that what they're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you would know because the UFC owns the company, correct, that makes the gloves? I don't know if they own the company, but okay, I, okay. You, got, you, got, you got to look and say everything has to do with contracts and what people have, and there's a lot more to it than just saying, oh, we're going to change gloves. You know, at one time, long ago, long ago at UFC 30, we changed the gloves because we used to use boxer genic gloves and uh, switched them to Awano gloves and had John Awano was the guy that was, you know, doing all the gloves. And then we had a problem with the gloves with, you know, UFC 46 where you fought Hermes Franca. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Randy Couture lost his title to Vitor Belfort based upon an equipment failure because it was a glove with the edge and that edge cut Randy's eyelid in a way that they wouldn't let the fight go on. So he changed the gloves again. And there's been changes to the gloves. Why they're, why they can't, you know, come up with something that they're happy with. You know, I can't tell you, you know, as a promotion, they can use whatever gloves they want. They can make all the complaints in the world they want, but they can change the gloves at any time. That's yeah. their call. Yeah, I, I can only think of this like as a manufacturing line situation where they don't want to have it bent or curved. Or, but I can't imagine that costing way too much to get them redone. But I mean, no. they might just want to stick with what they've been using forever. I understand. You know, you don't want to change what you guys have been using, but it would save, I think, from eye pokes if they were curved a little bit more. I mean, they're not curved at all. When you get them, they're straight. They're flat. Oh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. You know, and a lot of fighters, you know, like with myself, I'll work it to try and get it to soften up, you know, after I get my uh, my hands wrapped. You know, you work them, you twist them, you spin them, or, you know, you do all these well, things, step on them, all those things. Back back a long time ago when, again, with John Iwano's gloves, you know, they were always that kind of, you know, flat. And so I would take – and you as the fighter would come up to the table and we would – let you try on any size glove you wanted. And you said, yeah, these are good. I would take that pair that you said were good. I would wrap them, put them into a bag. And that night I would take and wrap them up into a ball to try to get them. So they would be, so you could move your hands and it would be free. And it would, wouldn't be this flat thing. You know, what they do now is completely different. And that's just times. That's the way it is. Next. Next question from Casey Fenton asking for the fifty seventh time. Obviously, I'm patient. Uh, what is Big John's training background? I want to hear about his powerlifting and martial arts training. I can't be the only one. You're the only one. Trust me. He's totally <laughs> the only one. <laughs> oh man. Oh, listen, mother. My my background. My background. I have no background. There you go. It's done. <laughs> Uh, uh, I started boxing because my dad, my dad was very afraid that I would uh, not be an athlete. So I started boxing when I was eight years old. I was, uh, started doing boxing. I did it with a guy named Al Stankiewicz, Lanky Al Stankiewicz, who ended up being Vitor Belfort's coach. I would go down to the uh, East LA Boys Club and uh, started boxing there and doing stuff. And then started wrestling when I was nine and did that all the way through when I, until I was 17. And, uh, played sports in high school, obviously went to college and then started powerlifting, uh, right. My second year of college and, uh, dropped out of college cause I was an idiot and then, uh, kept up with the powerlifting. I got pretty good at that. I got to, uh, I did lifts of, uh, 802 in the squat, uh, 
13 in the deadlift. Uh, the best bench I ever got in a in a competition, I think, was seven, 476. So I could never hit the 500 mark when I was competing. And then um, stopped doing that so I could become uh, a runner so I could be on LAPD. And then on LAPD, I started working out again and doing uh, some boxing and stuff. And then I ended up with Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and started doing Jiu-Jitsu from there. And took me... 14 years to get a black belt, 16 years, something like that. So I was not very good at it and uh, just kept, uh, just kept, you know, sparring and doing stuff and just learning. And I was lucky enough that I got to meet a lot of people that got to teach me really good stuff and then started kickboxing and stuff. But no, I did, uh, you know, stupid smoker fights and things like that, but that was it. John, how did you like jump the fences and stuff when you were chasing bad guys through the streets of LA? I ran through fences. Oh, okay. You know what he did? He used the radio and called his buddy. That's what cops do, bud. My my dad always told me you you can outrun the cops, but you cannot run the radio. It's like that's, yeah, that is true. You know? Yeah. Uh, next question uh, from next. George G asking for Josh. What is your perspective of the famous GRE Eddie, Eddie Bravo Bangkok Ready story about your fight versus Gerald Stebrand? Uh, I'm not familiar with the story. I just know that Gerald came in. I knew he was highly touted. I had seen him just recently, like three weeks before, maybe a month before I fought him. He had uh, grappled against uh, Rich Crunkleton, and uh, he had he had beat Rich Crunkleton. And Rich was one of my training partners. Rich was like, yeah, his guard's really funky and weird, this and that. So he had beat Rich, and then I was expecting him to, to be a jiu-jitsu guy. I knew he was. I knew he played the rubber guard. Um, but then when he came out, to the fight, he had all this tie shit. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, he's gonna. I was like, oh, he's gonna stand with me. All right, fuck, because all we worked that whole camp was take down defense and get back to my feet. That's all we worked was like sprawling, brawling, and just fucking, just lots of you know, lots of kickboxing. And so um, that was it. And then when he came out, then we started exchanging some punches, and he he became a wrestler real quick, but not a very good one though. And so, um, but then once, once I knew, I realized he was sure he was a great jujitsu guy. He was, he was phenomenal when it came to his attacks, but once you started hitting him, he wasn't the same guy. He was real loose with his legs. His rubber guard wasn't as tight. Um, you know, he had isolated a couple arms on me and, but he just, as I started punching him, even if it was a little tiny little rabbit punches, he started loosening up his grip real quick. So that was it. I don't know the I don't know the story on Bangkok ready, but he came out like a Thai guy with this head thing and this dress. He had the Mongol on, was. man. He had the whole thing, baby. Yeah, he had the whole thing, and I was like, "All right, wait, we guess we standing." But it didn't work out that way. But that's all I know. I don't I don't know the whole story behind it, but it's funny. Next, right. Stephen asks. Sean O'Malley says he isn't taking any ranked fighters until he gets paid more. Is that a smart strategy? We we said this. Like we already time. talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Like, why, smart. why like, is it John people said. don't realize? Why is it that when, when you take a look at I want you to think about this. Okay. I can make somebody a house, okay, that is a 10 by 10 house, all right, and it's going to take me a week of effort to do, and I'm going to get paid $10,000 for it. Now, I'm not saying that's the money that Sean's getting, but $10,000 for it. Or I can make somebody a hundred by hundred foot house that's going to take me a year and a half to do, and I get ten thousand dollars for it. That's the concept of what Sean O'Malley is looking at when he's saying, 
look, for the money that I'm making based upon the contract that I signed from the Dana White Contender Series, I am in a position where I don't want to fight the top-ranked guys because it's I'm not getting paid enough in my, my opinion. So I'll fight the lesser guys right now, and I'll fight this contract out, and then I'll ask for what I think I'm worth, and then if I, you give me that, I'll fight anybody you want. That's what he's saying. It's pretty simple. Sean, I'm, I know you listen to our show because you've said some things about, about that you don't think I don't like you. I like you, buddy, and I like you even more because you did this. Smart move, well played, good stuff, okay? I think it's brilliant. I'm glad you're doing it. Smart, smart, smart move. Next. All right, next question comes from Jeff Wadey, who asked, Big John, is there a difference in referee stoppages in women fights compared to men's? Should there be? Question mark. No, there should not. There should be nothing that is different in you officiating a male fight compared to a female fight. They are exactly the same as far as all the fouls are the same. Now, the one that people are going to say is, oh, what about getting kicked to the nuts? Yes, you're right. Women don't have nuts, okay? But it's not <laughs> called a nut shot foul. It's called a groin, okay? You cannot hit the groin, kick the groin in any fashion. And women have a groin the same as a man. So all the rules, all the fouls, everything matches up. And you should be giving women every bit of the same, you know, leeway if that's what you're giving or you know you're going to let them go to the same standard as the male absolutely there should be no difference might i remind people that like when women get kicked there it fucking hurts them too yeah there you <laughs> it's go. not like it's not like it's just oh okay didn't feel it no no it hurts it hurts them too yeah so next Next question from Adam Troutman, who asks, is it still a draw if the judges score at 29-28, 27-30, and 28-28? Is a majority draw two judges saying it's a draw and that overrides the third judge? I don't know. You can read the question. That's I have no fucking clue. You started putting numbers in there. <laughs> I got lost. Okay. Here, I'll answer your question for you. Is it? It would be a when you're talking about that, that's a split draw. Okay, what you just put out because you said twenty nine twenty eight one way, right? Dave, yep, twenty nine twenty eight. Yep. Towards more. fighter A, we'll say, mm -hmm. and then thirty twenty seven towards fighter B. Yeah, he has it twenty seven thirty, but yeah, okay. I, I, I don't know if that matters. Twenty thirty twenty seven, same thing. Okay. Okay. Towards fighter B, so now it comes into the third, and the third judge is saying that it's a draw. So what you have is you have a split meaning one judge going with one fighter. Doesn't matter that it was how many rounds he gave him. One judge going with another fighter. Doesn't matter how many rounds. And one judge saying, oh, I had it even. So we have what's called a split draw. That you know, You're, you're going to get all kinds of things. You, when you talk about majority decisions and things like that, you'll get a majority decision when you have one fighter gets, we'll say 30-27 from one judge. Judge gets 29-28 from another and then another judge has it as even. We'll say 28-28. That's a majority decision, okay, based upon the majority of the judges went with the one fighter. So there's all kinds of ways when you're looking at judging. There's, you know, unanimous decision, split decision, draws, majority decisions, you know, 
majority draw. You can get a majority draw based upon you get two judges giving draws with one judge giving a winning score to either fighter A or fighter B. There's all kinds of ways. And then you get into technical decisions, technical draws. There's all kinds of things that are part of scoring. And with what you're saying, it doesn't matter that it was 29-28 and 30-27. You know, as far as those scores being different, it doesn't matter. Next. All right. Next question comes from Ghost asking, going into a bar brawl, you can call two fighters in MMA history to have your back. Who do you call? <laughs> I'll let you go, Josh. Oh, man. Two guys to have my back. Jeez. Uh, I probably would take, I would probably take BJ and Kane. <laughs> I'd probably take those two. Wow. You know, like, the guy, BJ has punching power, man. He's got hard power. And then with Kane, he's just, <laughs> he's just ruthless. And he's got conditioning. He'll fight until everyone's dead. <laughs> like, he's got the cardio to go. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, I could have probably picked like bigger guys, but I'm going based off of guys that I know. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, but yeah, those guys. All right. I'll go with Tank Abbott since he likes doing it. It's fun. <laughs> eh, tank, Tank, do you? Tank loved a yeah. good fight. So put him in a bar scene. That's a good thing. And then I'll take someone like, uh, I'll take a Francis Ngano since he's got that punching <sighs> power. Yeah, that would be yeah. nice. Yeah. All he's got to do is he he throws one shot, hits one guy, the wind knocks out three. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> but if there's one wrestler in that group, he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, oh, since I had to stop God. Mark Coleman numerous times from fighting in, in things, oh, I can geez. tell you right now, Mark Coleman's another good person to put on your side. Absolutely. Put the hammer on your side. Kevin Randleman would have been another. Yeah. I've been out with Coleman in Hawaii a couple times. Woo. Hello. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> fun times. Fun, fun stories and fun times. Good Next. man. Next question comes from Hurrifan C asking, question for both John and Josh. What's more likely to happen? There'd be a cross-promotion tournament or the UFC expand and have more weight classes? UFC expands and has more weight classes. You know, yeah. th this, this goes back to... Man, I'm telling you, Dana learned a lesson when he, you know, was when the UFC wasn't number one, and he was trying, you know, to do everything he could, to, you know, make things happen. And Lorenzo Fertitta was working at it, and they decided they were going to send some fighters over to Pride, and Pride was going to supposedly send some fighters back. That worked in one direction, and when it's a one-way street, you know, I tell Josh all the time, man. That's a one-way street. That don't fucking work, okay? Yeah. It's got to be a two-lane highway, all right? It's got to come both ways, and Dana learned a lesson. Oh, I got screwed. I'm never going to let that happen to me again, and that's why you don't see cross-promotion stuff, and now in the position that he's in with the UFC, the UFC has done all this marketing, done all these things to, to become this number one entity within the mixed martial arts world. Why am I going to build up somebody else? That's yeah. the way he's looking at it, and it makes sense. I'm not, I, I, in no way would I ever say he's wrong. Okay. He's not wrong. It makes sense for his business. Why am I going to do that? So, you know, the reason we 
as the nerds of you know the sport yeah we want to see it because we want to see the best fights and we want to see matchups that we know that would be great but you know just because we want it doesn't mean it's always going to happen and in most times i will say that the ufc is going to have more weight classes before you see cross promotion yeah i did all that argument next (laughs) there you go That was, that was the greatest comment you have ever said. Yeah. It's like, let me make this easy. I ditto that one. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Next question from C Carter 501 who asked, John, what's the biggest shot you've ever taken while trying to stop or end a fight? I uh, already, already answered Yeah, this. we've answered that. Yeah, come on. Uh, you, you want me to answer it again? Yeah, who I mean, was did it? You? Just, yeah, yeah, he's, answer, he's answered before. Mark Coleman yeah. hit me in the freaking ear and it made my ear fucking puff up you know, i had to drain my ears so you know that's back when they had bare knuckles and stuff there was no gloves i still have right. a pair of the the gloves that they came out with right after the bare knuckle they're yeah, like boxer uh, genics yeah they, they were like uh neoprene yeah yeah i have a pair in my genics. garage still i gotta yep. get them framed just put them up all different <laughs> all the different gloves i have the only ones i wasn't i wasn't able to keep was the pride ones the pride ones Fuck man, they hounded me. I didn't get out of the fucking ring, and they, they had won't someone pay you. Following me, no. They won't. They. I know guys that have taken those and put those in. The, you know, and you know how Pride used to pay guys, yeah. right? And if they didn't get those gloves, those guys went to get paid, and they were saying, "Yeah, gloves." I'm <laughs> like, gloves. "Fuck." They're like, yeah, you don't get your check until you get your gloves back. Until we get our yeah. gloves, I was like, "Fuck, this is horrible." That's it, man. Crazy. Ah, all right. Next. Next question comes from Shushan, who asks, how much of Douglas Lima's decline has been mental? Uh, in the Amazon fight, he seemed to accept bottom position and was really doing anything, was really doing anything on his feet. I think he meant wasn't doing anything on his feet. Uh, okay, I'm going to take this in a completely different direction that most people haven't thought of. He beats Roy McDonald. He wins a million dollars. Plus, I want to remind people, he gets paid a lot of money per fight. So not only did he win a million dollars, he won a lot more than that just for his fight purse. Um, I think after that fight, sure, he was motivated to train. He went and fought Gegard, and he knew that if I fight Gegard, all I got to do is make sure I don't get destroyed like Roy did, and I'll be okay because I'm still the champ at 170. I think when he had to go back down to weight, the motivation just wasn't the same. I don't. I think it's it's mental. Like he, he's, I'm sitting pretty. Let's just say he's won after working his way through that tournament. He probably won $3 million, I think, probably. Maybe somewhere around there, you know, up or give or take, a, you know, half a mil or whatever, maybe a mil. He's sitting fine. I think when people get comfortable, this is what you see. I think he's 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 made plenty of money. He's got a successful gym that he has with his brother, I believe. And they're doing good things. They're just, they're, they're I think they're, he's a, he's a happy man. He's married. He's got beautiful kids. His face very much a family guy. He's one of the most humblest, nicest guys I think I've ever been around. I think he's living a good life right now. And I think that's hard. That's all the hard work has been done. The motivation probably is not the same. I think that's a, it's a, an astute observation of something that when you look in, it's hard to be motivated when at every Every little, you know, road that your career takes you, 
you, you look for those things to motivate you. And, and Douglas has had those and he's had those moments when, when he won, you know, he had a knee injury going into his fight when he was defending his belt for the first time against Korshkov. And, you know, Korshkov took him down multiple times. And so when he fought him the second time, he, he was motivated. He wanted him. And even when he, he came back and was going to, you know, fight in the, the Grand Prix because it was the, the fight with Rory McDonald when he lost, you know, he had that fight. Yeah. You know, he, he had lost the first two rounds. He came back and he was damaging Rory and he takes the next two rounds and you look going into the fifth, you're going, man, this, this is Douglas Lima's time. And for whatever reason, you know, accepted the bottom and didn't do, you know, anything to get himself out from that and lose the fight and realized I gave that fight away. And so yeah. he comes back into that welterweight, that welterweight tournament and he had motivation. His motivation was to get back at Rory McDonald. He wanted that Rory fight back. He goes, I gave that away. I knew I should have beat him. That was my mistake. I learned something from it. I'm going to show you that I can beat this guy. He was motivated. Exactly what Josh is talking about. He went through that tournament beautifully in all of his fights. And then when he wins it, just like Josh says, they give him Gegard. If he if he doesn't beat him at 185, he, it'd be nice. He'd like to. But if I don't, you have a safety net. Yeah. And when you have a safety net, sometimes that 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 doesn't allow you to be the person that you should be. And uh, we're going to see exactly where Douglas Lima is at in this fight with MVP. Because yep. this is not, you know, he was not having an easy time with MVP in the first one. And this is going to be in London. And this is going to be in, you know, the backyard of, you know, MVP. And all the fans are going to be going for him. Douglas can be by himself, so he better be motivated for this fight, or it's not going to end well either. So, we're going to see. But you're right; he's, you know, there is, a, there has been a difference in his last couple fights. We've all seen it. I think in the Amazov fight, there's those, there's times when you're competing against somebody that you know, I can't stop what this person does. Yeah, you know, you can't sit there and tell everyone, Jesus Christ, man, can you see in this man? You know, you're in the middle of the fight. And so instead of just going after him and doing what you can do, you're looking for that one moment, that one punch, that one shot that you can land, and it never comes. And yeah. you get taken down again, and now you're back in the same position. So you know, we'll see what, you know, which Douglas Lima comes back in this fight. You know, and it could be if, if it's the same thing that we saw in the last one, then it's pretty much time to start to you know go off into the sunset because things aren't going to get any better for him but he's a great yeah. great fighter he's been a great person as, as josh says you can't ask for a nicer person a better family man things he does he's outstanding yeah absolutely phenomenal like you said though is that with the amasoft fight when you realize you're kind of losing, you're just kind of in survival mode after that and like you said when he had the fallback thing with <clears throat> with gay guard like no one really, I think they a lot of people didn't expect him to win, and he I don't know if he expected himself to win. He's one of those guys yeah. that I feel like he needs to believe in himself. He he didn't believe in himself that he could beat Roy. I think in the first fight, but then in the fifth round he let it slip away. Going into the second fight, he's like, I know I can beat him now. You know, and he did mm -hmm. interviews talking about how like absolutely I can beat him. He's like, I made the mistake of not beating him the first time, 
And it was kind of like one of those things he had talked about past fights. I think it was with Korshkov or somebody else he had fought saying that he didn't think he could beat him. And he had to come back and beat the guy two more times. So there was, there's been fighters along the way that they have to believe in themselves to begin with. And they have to figure out when they get in there with that fighter, oh man, I could have beat him, you know? And so he's, he seems to be one of those guys. Um, but I'm not going to take too much away from him against the Amosov thing. There's been 26 other people that have tried to beat Amosov and none of them have succeeded. <laughs> so I want people to Good keep point. that in mind. He's, 20, he's 26 and 0. I mean, now don't, don't get me wrong. He made it look easy against Douglas Lima. So I want to figure out what's going on with Lima in terms of his mindset. I think once he started getting taken down, I was like, man, I can't stop this takedown. Like you said, he started looking for the one shot and the one shot never came. And by the end of the thing, the fight was over. So there's a lot of things you can look at. But with the, uh, the MVP fight, this fight is very interesting to me because MVP was, I wouldn't say he was winning that first fight, but he was making it, he was making it real hard for Lima yeah. up until that kick and that punch. He was making it hard for Lima and what, 10 seconds before that, he rocked Lima. He hurt and Lima. Lima. Yeah, he hurt Lima. Yeah. And so I think now you're going to see a MVP just take his time you know, step in, step out, but piece him up and just kind of, kind of do what he's doing. Try to just stick and move, stick and move and wait for Lima to overcommit, which Lima probably won't. Now you may end up where he just ended up being touched and touched and touched for five rounds, like how he was with Amosov, how he just kept getting taken down and taken down. But if that's the way to beat Lima, that's the way to beat Lima. That's what he's going to have to do because right now the only thing stopping him from getting a title shot MVP is Douglas Lima. And so he's going to have to do whatever it takes to make sure he doesn't get caught again or he doesn't get taken down or he doesn't get smashed by Lima because Lima should be motivated. If he's not motivated for this fight, then like you said, it's time maybe to start taking a step back or maybe take some time off because yeah. he's not super old either. No, you know, I want to say he's 33, 34, somewhere in there, 34. Anyways, is he that? I think somewhere around there. Anyways, but I think, I think that's a fight. I think this fight will dictate kind of how, how, um, how he moves forward. Next. Next question from uh, Ben Cooley, who asks, how do you feel about Fedor fighting Tim Johnson in Russia? That seems like a very hard matchup, hashtag and still. It's a really hard matchup. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've said this. If you guys listen to our podcast, I don't think you could have picked a worse opponent for him. You know, he's big. He hits hard. Uh, he's got good wrestling. Um Look, people look at Tim Johnson, they go, ah, he's dumpy, he's this and that, but he's he's got a, he's he's a, got a gas tank. He's a bear. He's got a gas tank, and he hits hard, and he's got wrestling. He gets on top, he's going to smash you. I mean, like, I don't think this is a good fight for Fedor, and how do I feel about it? I don't. I actually don't want to see Fedor fight him at all. I want to... I want to see Fedor fight someone who's who's not Tim Johnson. <laughs> like, I mean, I didn't want to see him fight Junior Dos Santos or Overeem. I didn't want to see him fight them either, though. I wanted to see him fight somebody else. I don't know who. I can't give you a name, but I just I don't know. Yeah, anyways, I'm not I'm not I'm not keen. I'm not too keen on the fight, just to be honest. Ditto. <laughs> Still in my shit. Still in my shit. All right, next last next one. one from- Oh, two more. Sorry, two more. Two more. Okay. All right. Next one's from Jason Curran, who asked, Josh, how did it feel to stop Nate? I mean, it felt good. I mean, realistically, it was a long layoff from, not layoff, but it was a long time away from the UFC and to come back first fight in. Um, But I had to beg them to give me someone in in the top 10. Like, they were trying to give me all these other guys, and I was off in uh, China doing a movie. And 
they and I was going back and forth with Bob while I was overseas. And I just kept telling him, no, I'm good. No, no. For 10 weeks, I was over there doing a movie. For 10 weeks, almost every week, they came back to me with a new opponent. I said, no, no. So finally, they came back to me with Nate. And I was like, perfect, I'll take it. I just wanted somebody that, if you're getting, because I already knew that Gilbert was getting a title shot against Benson. And I had just went to a split decision loss against uh, Gilbert. I'm like, now you're going to tell me that I'm not going to get anybody in the top 10. I was like, no, nah, I'll pass. You know, but I also want to remind people that I already knew Dana White didn't like me from my first stint there. And so from that first stint and then, then fighting in strike force for so I long, I can't believe the champion. you would think that. No, no, I don't think it. I know that. So <laughs> that's the thing is I legit know it. Um, so it just, it just, you know, so I knew what they were doing. I just kept waiting. I was like, look, I'm good, man. So I did, when, when it came down to them finally giving me Nate, I said, look, if you give me someone tough, I'll take it. You know, it was no different when, with the Pettis situation when they kept telling me, okay, you're going to fight Pettis. And then, they pulled Pettis, and when Pettis was pulled, they kept trying to give me no-name guys. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'll wait. You know, and I got a lot of earful from from Joe Silva. Okay, you'll fucking be out for six months. Cool, I'll be out for six months. I left it at that. A week later, they called me for Benson. That's the kind of thing, like, you just got to keep, stick with your, stick to your guns. I mean, but a lot of these fighters spend all their money, so they just, they're not able to. So I was able to save, and at the time when I was filming a movie in China, I was making money. So <laughs> it's like, whatever. I'm doing fine, so I just left it as is. But All right, let's, of- let's be honest. You were not making money being an actor. You no, making no, movies, actually, you were making I money. I was. I was making money. <laughs> I actually did make money. It was pretty impressive, uh, actually. Well, I was I'll at, tell you. Hey, I want to tell you how I made that money. They had casted Luke Rockhold, and a week before they had ca- a week before he was supposed to fly out to go do the show, to do the movie, he's like, I ain't going. So, so Bob Cook called me. He's like, Hey, I need you to, I need you to read for these guys and, um, let me know what you think. Like, if you want to do the show, I'm like, all right, let me see. So I read for him and I was like, yeah, I was like, I really don't, I'm not into it, you know, whatever. And so I just, I didn't want to go, but then they threw some money at me and I was like, I need a little bit more money. It was during Christmas time. And I was like, I need a little bit more money. And so I had to actually push them back into, to waiting until after new year's for me to go. They wanted me to leave the day after Christmas. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm not leaving the day after Christmas. There's no way. And so then a week went by and they said, okay, can you leave on January, January 1st? They're like, can you leave that day? I was like, nah, they pushed to January 2nd. I left on January 2nd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they, they, uh, Roger Corman was the, um, the producer of it or whatever that put all the money. He's well known for doing Don the Dragon Wilson. So Jackie Chan's and, uh, Jet Li when they first started out, but he did almost all of Don the Don the Dragon Wilson's movies. They were all his shows. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I went just like in a whim, just went. I read on like two days before Christmas, and then a week and a half later, I was in China filming a movie. Yeah, that was it. But in terms of hey, knocking out Nate, it was great. I felt it felt good to get a win coming back and the way it happened, and it was great. Next. All right, our last one comes from Leighton Tapley asking, can Aaron Pico defeat Patricio Pitbull or AJ McKee now that his game is dialed in? Aaron Pico, just give him just a little bit more time. He has finally learned how to meld his skills, his talents, and perform as an MMA fighter. He's now actually transitioning at times when he didn't know how to before 
and he's doing it and doing it purposefully and doing it well. He has found the right spot with the uh, Jackson Winkle John camp. He is on target to be one of the best featherweights in the world. Just give him another year and a half. That's all I say. Give him another year and a half. Don't expect anything out of him. And he's going to be something special. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, I wrote him hard for a while and, uh, you know, he went to, he went to the right camp. They made the adjustments. I said, there was all these questions that need to be answered by him. Everyone knows he can wrestle, but all he wanted to do was box. And then he went to Jackson Winks and they started grooming him into being a real mixed martial artist. And once that happened, he became dangerous. He learned how to, he, even up until his, this last fight, he learned the transitions from the wrestling or from the striking to the, to the takedown. But even before the fights before that, he was still struggling with the punching and the wrestling together. It was one or the other. So the last fight, he answered all those questions from the punching to the takedowns to the ground and pound. I mean, he's gotten really good, but I have to agree with John another year, year and a half, at least, I think at least for him to, um, to establish himself as a top featherweight. I think he is one of the top featherweights now in Bellator. Um, but I think he still has the confidence is building, but he needs a little bit more. You know, he went through that rough patch in the beginning, and and I think he needs to dig himself out of that in terms of just for himself also. It's to show that he can develop his game. I want to see he's been trying to hit submissions. He's been trying to do a lot of other things that are look really good to his game. But he also hasn't fought the best of the best as of yet right now. He's fighting better guys, but he hasn't fought the top level of guys yet. Now, can he beat Patricio? I'm not ready to say that. I think Patricio's, if you're saying someone's going to have the two of them together, both have a lot of punching power, you know, um, but I can't recall the last time, you know, outside of the AJ McKee fight, I can't recall the last time Patricio has been knocked out, you know, um, with Aaron, Aaron, you know, he can be clipped. He didn't get knocked out. He got head kicked and stayed on his feet. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. That's true as well. You know, the, he ended you know, up so, coming right back up to his feet. So, yeah. But I think I think uh, you know, I think AJ would pose yeah AJ AJ poses a lot of uh, concern for him because of the speed and the athleticism and those are the things that would that I think would be hard for Aaron. But I think in a year Aaron will be a completely different fighter than what you see now and look how good he is now. So I think in a year year and a half you're going to see a completely different person. His last fight uh, was unbelievable, unbelievable performance. Yeah. I mean, and just the pace at what he, I, I will give Aiden Lee, look at, that guy came in shape. He was ready to fight. He just got overwhelmed by a guy that was nonstop, and he was fighting off everything, never gave in. Just an incredible performance by both guys. But Aaron Pico proved at that, that junction right there, he can be the complete mixed martial artist. He's only getting better. Just give him a little bit of time. That's all we say. Yeah, yeah I want to see Aaron fight guys like Daniel right. Weichel, a, a guy with a lot of a, a lot of experience. You know, guys like that. If he, I want to see him get into that level of guys here shortly, probably one or two more fights, I think. Um, and then if I was to go through the rest of these guys, like Jeremy Kennedy's, I don't think it's a good. Uh, I don't think is. I think it's an easy matchup for. Not easy. I shouldn't say easy. I think it favors Aaron. <laughs> Pretty and I think same thing with Pedro Cavallo. I think it favors it favors Aaron as well. Dale Weiss will be a tough matchup because he's so well rounded. He's good everywhere. He's got good kickboxing, good boxing as well. Amal Sanchez, I think, is kind of almost tailor made for him, for Aaron. 
you know, he walks forward and takes shots and he gives shots. And I think that's, that's a bad fight for, for Mayo Sanchez, uh, Adam Boric. We've already seen that fight, but I'm sure they may run it back again. Mads Burnell, not a good, uh, easy, not right now, easy, not right now, but I think it's a fight that he could beat him because Mads can't take him down and Aaron's got better boxing. Yeah. But if Mads, Mads is a guy who will stand in front of him and keep coming forward. And eventually that pressure will make Aaron try to take him down. And that's what Mads wants. So, yeah, possibly, possibly. I think Aaron's got enough power though, to make Mads stay away. He's got, but I mean, there's a lot of interesting. He's got fire in his hands. Yeah, Yeah, he does. Uh, All right. So uh, before we uh, wrap this up, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Make sure you guys use the promo code and still and pick up any of our shirts in all different colors. We've got that one right there, which is home improvement with podcast Dave hanging over the fence and John with the big mammoth hands or small, tiny hands. I think is what it is. You have a little small hands on that. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Do I have small hands in this? Yeah. Damn. You got you have small hands. Your little small hands. That's wrong. <laughs> I do. I do have small <laughs> hands though in real life. <laughs> uh, we've got the Terminator shirt. We've got Home Improvement. We've got Karate Kid. We've got all of our original logos as well as the logo that we have now in all different colors: black, blue, red, green, and uh, gray, and a bunch of other stuff. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Wayne in. Use the promo code and still. And also, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on all of our uh, channels on the iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, Spotify. Those are our major ones. So go ahead and hit the subscribe there for the audio platforms. And then go to YouTube. Hit the link down below in the U- in our major YouTube uh, channel. That'll take you to our Clips channel where we do our Wayne interjection, which we're about to film right now after we wrap Uh-oh. this up. Trouble. So John, John, that wraps us up. What do you got, bud? It does wrap us up. I want to say thank you for everyone that came in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed Sorry that there is not going to be a major fight this weekend, but we will come up with something that you will like to see. And as I say this, I say, see ya.